Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hi, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago from beautiful Chicagoland. And look who we have next to me three-time all-star four-time gold glover the host of the boone podcast and the reigning celebrity softball game you mvp you better believe it john you better believe that's it it's one, brent boone one of my favorite awards that i've ever won <laughs> how'd you feel when you won that award i'll tell you it was interesting two months out i get a phone call from you know and i i was going to be i was going to be in seattle doing a, a bunch of uh meet and greets and okay. stuff. You know, it makes sense. Seattle, last time it was there was 20 years ago. You know, those great teams we had in the early 2000s. So I knew I was going to be there. So I started getting the request and they said, you want to play in the celebrity softball game? Well, it sounded great. Of course I'll play, you know? <laughs> and then when I walked onto the field, when it was about game time and we were just coming off the, uh, the Futures game was finishing up. So it was that crowd. And I looked at there's probably 20, 30,000 people here. I said, pretty good, pretty good turnout. And then I thought, maybe this wasn't that great of an idea, you know. But I had, uh, I'm 54 years old. <laughs> I'm playing with a bunch of young, and, and guys I don't even know, YouTubers and, and uh, singer-songwriters. And, and I'm sitting there, and I, I've got a couple buddies on the team, though. And Mike Cameron's a good friend of mine. I was a teammate for a long time. And Cammy looks at me, and he goes, Booney, what are you going to do? I said, kind of have to hit a homer to lead the game off, don't I? Or, or the, the, the city's going to erupt and I'm going to be a disappointment. So uh, Jenny Fitch served it up for me first pitch. We hit a home run to get things going. Cammy got all excited. He went deep. Uh, and, and it just progressed. But going into it, you never know with things like that. I know, kind of know how the athletes are going to do. Uh, but it's the other guys. I'm like, what, you know, what's this going to be? I'll tell you what, they were good. They were way better than I expected. And just moving around that city the next few days, even though it's it's kind of a footnote, you know, because you, you've got the All-Star game, you've got the home run derby. Um, the celebrity softball game is, is not at that level, but it's a part of the festivities. And walking around the town and just talking to people, a lot of people came up to me and said, Boomy, we went to the Futures game, we were there for the softball game, we didn't know what to expect, and we had a hell of a time. And, and I did too. And I didn't think I was going to... As athletes, as ex-athletes, we do a lot of things off the field. Of Most of them are it's kind of part of our what we do. And it's a handshake, and it's all right, we get through that one. So <laughs> most of the time, you're doing those type things. And, and this, I thought, was going to be one of those. Well, I'll do it. And it'll be, I actually had a good time. And by the end of it, and the fact that I won it, you know, the, the, the big belt and all that, um, it was kind of fun to, to just... You know, tell my kids, my kids are giving me a hard time. And it's like, yeah, your dad, remember, no matter what else, your dad is the reigning MVP of the celebrity <laughs> softball game. So who knows? Maybe I'll get an invite to Texas next year. We'll see. Where's the uh, belt located? You got it in a trophy case above your bed somewhere special? The, the belt now, if you really look, uh, when you watch the podcast, if you look in the back corner, I've got it kind of hidden. 
Okay. But you can see it if you're really looking for it. So no, we haven't we haven't put it up and we haven't put it up on the mantle or anything like that yet. I haven't I don't have its own case for it, but uh, we'll find a place, I'm sure. What was it like to be in Seattle for the All Star game? I mean, 30 years ago, this was a franchise that was trying to leave Seattle. So right, what was right, it right. like? How different was it over there? It seemed like there was a lot of enthusiasm. I came up as a Seattle Mariner in 1992. Uh, we weren't very good. But it was the, you know, the beginning of the Griffey era and uh, started to get better. I left. I went to Cincinnati. But that offense was really good. But it was kind of the offense of a Tino Martinez, of an Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner. Uh, Ken Griffey were the, were the Alex Rodriguez came into the frame. Uh, but you kind of, it was them, and you had Randy. The pitching wasn't there, but they, they broke through in 1995. They got to that, that kind of, you know, the thing in Seattle is they still hang on to that. Edgar's big double and all that stuff. Of course. When we were playing in the early 2000s, we would, we would laugh and, like, are they going to play the double again? <laughs> it's all they have to hang, hang their hat on. Anyway, those were important times in Seattle uh, because that 1995 season is probably the reason they stayed. And that big win against yep. the Yankees, they end up building Safeco Field, now T-Mobile Park. Uh, and the rest is kind of history. I came back in 2001, and uh, we had that un- unbelievable run, 116. Obviously, the only thing about that season that, that to, to all of us that were on that team when we get back and we reminisce is there's a little bit of a negative connotation to it. And it was such an unbelievable carpet ride year that probably we'll never see in our lifetime again 116 wins to not finish the deal. You know, it's still a disappointment, so there's always going to be that asterisk and, oh, yeah, what if? How did you not finish the deal? But at the end of the day, those were some of the best times of my career, Uh, some of the best relationships I forged at that time still to this day. Some great teams in the early 2000s, but uh, the beginning, and that was the beginning of Safeco Field. And, And Seattle, from the kingdom when I was a kid to Safeco, for those early 2000 seasons were unbelievable. Nothing like it. I'd never seen anything like it. I love going to old Yankee Stadium in postseason. There's something special about that. When you go to Fenway, Fenway, when you go to Wrigley, it's just you look around if you if you take the time to take it in. You know you're in a special place. But those early 2000s at Safeco Field, I mean, it would be a – and I mean no disrespect to the Kansas City Royals at the time. Uh, they were a last-place team. And on a Monday night playing the Kansas City Royals, I felt like I was going on stage at a rock concert. I mean, I'd step out of the, you know, I kind of let us out on the field every night, and I'd hit that top step, and I'd look around, and it was like, wow, it's another concert tonight, you know? <laughs> so uh, those were some special times. It's been a lot of lean years. Uh, this current Seattle ball club's pretty good. I, I think, if anything, they've underachieved. You know, they're, they're making a push late now, here in 2023. They won 90 games a year ago. They won 90 games in 2001 or 2021. Uh, really great team, but, but, but I tell the people all the time when I go up, because I usually go up there on a yearly basis, and, and for a lot of years they didn't make that playoffs. I think it was 21 years, longest in, of, of any major That's franchise. I say, man, I'd love to you guys to be able to experience what I experienced in the early 2000s. You go across the street, you go to a Seahawk game, you'll get that experience. <laughs> but that's what it was like every night at Safeco. And uh, they're starting to get it back. And, and that pitching staff, they're really good. People are going to – they're dangerous. They're a dangerous team. You go start to finish that rotation, starting with Castillo, Crawford, Kirby, uh, the young kid Miller, and now Wu is in the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bullpen's really good, although they got rid of Seawall at the, at the trading deadline. 
that was a little that, yes. that could be costly. You got Munoz and a brash at the end of that rotation that have got elite stuff. But are they ready for that ninth inning when your heartbeat needs to be slower? We'll see. Uh, all in all, very talented. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez nowadays in the middle of that uh, middle of that offense. I think he's going to be a, a star for the next eight, ten years. He's going to be the face of that franchise. He's a real. He's a can't miss talent. He's an Acuna. He's a Tatis type talent. Um, it's going to be interesting what they do. As of now, they're in as a wild card. Yep. They're, I think, a game out in the division. And if you would have told me a month ago, Johnny, uh, this Seattle Mariner team is going to be buying for the division with Texas and Houston at the top, I'd say you're crazy, you got no chance. And all of a sudden they're knocking on the door. And that city, from what I'm hearing, I do some shows up there during the week. From what I'm hearing, that, that city's electric right now. And, it, and it's pretty cool uh, as an alumni to, to look and, and see finally they're having some success. Something that, that, that the the – Fans of Seattle can support, and I'm telling you, if you win in Seattle, it is a gold mine. They will come. Talked about Julio Rodriguez. He was hitting 220 at the end of July. Now he's up to 278. He has just been on fire as of late. He's been a big reason why they've become where they are. What do you think about him in his second year and just, just his future? Is there anybody that you played with that maybe compares to him or looks like him? He's a stud. No, I think I, I just mentioned a Tatis type, an Acuna. A once-in-a-generational a once type player, uh, and I saw it a year ago. One thing I am, I'm a pretty, I'm a stickler. I've got to see, uh, somebody will have a good year, and they'll say, what do you think? And I'll say, i got to see some more. i got to see you do okay. it again. With a guy like Julio, I watched him for a half season. He ended up getting that big over $200 million contract at, I think, 21 years old, maybe right. 22. And I said, I would have done the same thing. Because it's a once-in-a-generational talent. There's not too many people like him. But a skill set like he has doesn't go away. Uh, it's an offensive skill set like a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He had an MVP-type year two years ago. Last year he was down. His down year is still an all-star caliber year for anybody else. That's talent that doesn't go away. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. healthy. His worst year can't be a terrible year. For him... <laughs> Right. But for everybody else, that's what I look like Julio Rodriguez. Like, even his worst year is going to be best. And you think about it. You know, I was asked a lot, well, you know, is he feeling it, this and that. I said, he's only 22 years old. we got to forget. <laughs> this is a young man. This is a child. Right. And, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. Of I was course. 22 once. You know, I knew everything. Believe me, I was ready to <laughs> take on the world. But he's 22 years old. And, and this year, I think, it, and for a 22-year-old, this is what you do. You get up, you sign this enormous contract. That's a lot on a 21, 22-year-old's shoulders. Now, I don't feel sorry for him. I don't Definitely think anybody not. does. <laughs> but you have these, with that come huge expectations. Face of the franchise. Of course. You are the savior. You're going to bring this team back to relevancy. And I think this year... The All-Star game being in Seattle. I think he was feeling that for the first half, thinking, I've got to make that All-Star team. i got to be a big part of those festivities. I owe it for what the contract is, whatever it may be. But you're still 22 and you got no worldly, you've got no experience yet. You see him coming on in the second half. I thought it was, a, last week, when he got 17 hits in four games, I thought it was a, I thought it was a typo. And I kept looking at the box score and I saw four hits and I'm like, wait a minute, he got four hits yesterday. He, he couldn't get four hits again. Who does that? Right. You get four hits one day in a month, six times a year, that's pretty good. Definitely. You do it twice in a month, <laughs> it's really good. 
He did it four times in a week, four times in a row. In one of the games, he added one. He got five. He got 17 hits and four. I've been. I played against great players. I've played right. with unbelievable players. I've never seen anybody get 17 hits in four games. <laughs> never, and not even close. Because the, right. the point is, after a certain point, you don't pitch to the guy anymore. It's like he gets a hit every at bat. How do you keep pitching to him? So unbelievable uh, what he did. He, he was player of the week, and I kind of looked at it like, oh, really? You don't win player of the week. The player of the player of the year for that. So uh, pretty cool to see what he's doing. Pretty cool to see what the Seattle Mariners are doing. Brett Boone here with us in person, in studio on Sports Talk Chicago. Yeah. It is unbelievable. You look great. It's unbelievable. You really do. I told you that walking in. You look amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, 100%. Um, wanted to talk some Chicago baseball now. You're here in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox have been all over the place as of late. They just fired Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn. What do you think about that situation? I, I look at this. The Chicago White Sox, uh, since I kind of came out of retirement and got onto the, the, the analyzing side of the game, the media side of the game, so now I'm, uh, I pay attention. Probably the biggest disappointment team I've seen in the last three years. Um, I, I, I can't say, and, and I wrote some stuff down, it's like you start off a couple years ago, and you've got a Giolito, you've got a Cease, you've got a Keiko, you've got a Lynn, and you've got a Rodon in the and you win 94 games, I believe. You get disappointed in the postseason, that happens. Houston, I believe, knock him off that right. year. Okay, that was a learning process. You got young kids like Robert, who's a stud, by the way. He is. Timmy Anderson, he's had a, he's had a really bad year this year. But he's been a really good player. He's been a batting title type player. I looked at that offense. I looked at that pitching staff. I said, this is going to be something they could run on for five or six years. Uh, might win a couple World Series. Biggest disappointment I've seen in the three years. They came in, Tony La Russa. I have the utmost respect for Tony La Russa. He's a Hall of Fame manager. I played with, or not with, I played against Tony. We've had many battles. Utmost respect. I don't hang it on managing. Players, you, you need to be accountable for how you play, the wins and the losses. It's not the manager. A manager is a scapegoat when things aren't going well. I didn't like my manager. Well, tough crap. You're a big boy. You make a lot of money to not put the onus on anybody else. So I don't blame Tony for that. Maybe he's getting a little bit older. Maybe it was time for him to move on, and he has moved on. Pedro Rafol comes into the mix. I'm a Pedro guy. He's been on the podcast. I really like Pedro. He's a great baseball man. I'm not going to hang because they're playing. What are they right now? White Sox are 50 and 71. That's not because <laughs> the manager. And I, and I said this recently on a, on, a, uh, on a show I did. They asked me. Uh, about managers and how important they are because Aaron's going, my brother Aaron's going through it in New York and I said you know guys, here's the deal Here, here's the real skinny behind the scenes, those 26 guys in the clubhouse we don't sit around after games and go Skip screwed us tonight man, if we wouldn't have him managing we'd have won that game very rarely maybe one win or loss a year maybe he's hung on the man but it's the players. We win games, we lose games. Managers manage games. Managers manage, managers manage people. They manage egos. They give one guy a hug and kick another guy in the butt to get the same result. That's what a great manager is. When it comes crunch time and a tough decision needs, needs to be made, the great managers have great guts. And that's what a manager is. But to hang this on a manager, now, I see what they did. They fired They fired Kenny Williams, Hahn. Maybe it's time. You know, maybe 
and, and I have nothing personal against these guys, but you had a pretty good roster set up. And to, to go like that, maybe it was a time and, and a change. And Reinsdorf said, I'm starting from the bottom up. All those guys I named in that starting rotation, they're all gone now. And I don't disagree with it. Moving on, uh, who's next this offseason? We'll see. I think you build it around Robert Jr. in center field. I think that's a superstar right there. But other than that, kind of a bunch of pieces. Hendricks been in and out. Hendricks came over. And, and uh, the great closer. Man, he's had a lot of health issues. Uh, and, and that hasn't worked out to this day. Uh, I'm not saying right. going forward it won't. You've got some great pieces, but maybe this managers are hired to be fired. General managers are hired to be fired. That happens. That's life. The greatest of the great get fired. And, and, and when you're talking about managers, uh, general managers, Joe Torre, Bobby Cox, uh, name of Tony LaRussa, all the great managers throughout the years, um, Sparky Anderson, Earl Weaver, they're all going to get fired one day. They're all, that's <laughs> right. just life. That's just, just like players. It doesn't matter how good you are and how great of a player. One day, Mike Trout, unless he decides to walk away, will get fired. Shohei Otani one day will get fired and say, you're done. It's just <laughs> life, and you move on with it. As long as you look at it that way, it, it's not a, a bad thing. You know, Kenny Williams getting oh, Kenny. No, this is part of the process. He's been in, he's a good baseball fan. He's been there a long time. But I don't disagree with Ryan Jones because at some point you somebody's got to be uh, responsible for what go, goes on in the organization. And usually that comes down to the decision makers. You mentioned the players being responsible. There were many reports this year of losing the locker room for the White Sox. So have you been in that situation that before? That. And then how much does that affect on-field performance? They, and this guy will go unnamed. Uh, I played for a lot of great managers. I played for Bruce Bochy. Uh, I think it's I think it's well documented my relationship with Lou Pinella. Tremendous, my favorite. Uh, Davey Johnson, one of the greatest managers I've ever oh, yes. played for. Uh, Hargrove, late in my career. I, play, I played for the current manager of the San Diego Padres as a rookie, Bob Melvin. Um, you know, I, I don't want to Bobby Cox in Atlanta. I played for a lot of great ones. Um, and I've never played for a manager that lost clubhouse with the exception of one. And when that happens, and, and it's not something that happens a lot, when that happens, you're done. Because once those players turn and there's enough, what's the word I'm looking for? Animosity in that room, it's toxic. I've only been on one team that did it. And it was ugly, and we had no chance to win. Once that hit, once once we crossed that line as as players, as teammates, that we were no longer willing to play for this man, season was over. So once that happens, once you hear it, uh, the only people that really know for sure are the guys currently in that clubhouse. I've learned that real quick. Being an ex-player, I can give you a lot of inside information. I can tell you what it's like. But as far as the day-to-day -day grind and what's really going on presently, only those 26 guys know. How do you block out reports? I mean, I'm sure there have been times where people have come out and said something. Maybe it's not true. You guys are still grinding day to day. So how do you block out the noise outside and still put out a good product? you gotta find, You got to find a way. you got to find something. And that's a character thing. That's a personnel thing. That's what you're – some guys have it, some guys don't. you got to find a way. I've been, yeah. I've been blessed enough. I've played on a lot of great teams. I've had a lot of great years. Played on some tough teams, and I've checked my bubblegum card. I've had some tough years. <laughs> uh, different format to now. There's 12 
There's 12 spots at the table in the postseason. There used to be eight. Before that, there were six, and then there was four. Right. Back in the day. Uh, so in 1975, your season might be over at the All-Star break. How do you find a way to get up every day and look for a reason to go to the ballpark and get your body up to that adrenaline level you have to be to perform at the highest level? Each and every one of us needs to find that. And, and I've had some years where we were out of it with two months to play, and I wasn't having a great year. i got to find a way to get up every morning, get to that ballpark, and find a reason to win. And, and if it gets personal, if it gets... People would call it selfish. It's not selfish. But, hey, I've got a 90 ribbies is better than 80. Some years, 70 ribbies is better than 60. <laughs> you know, 20, 20 homers is better than 16. And maybe I need to find a way to motivate myself from a personal standpoint. You know, 280 is better than 265. you got to find something. And we all are, are responsible to do that. You know, when... When you're coming to the ballpark and you're winning every day and you're in first place and you're having a great year, it's easy to put a smile on, turn the turn the radio on, and have a dance party. I want to see that guy when you just lost six in a row and you're one for your last 20. Are you over in the corner pouting? It's easy to have a good time when things are winning. That's why I always liked players that were even keel. I called them be a professional. I used to tell Mike Cameron when we entered the room, be a professional. Those early 2000s, the great teams that you're on, they're very workmanlike. I'm not saying when you're roll, you're on a roll and you're having a great year, don't smile and have a good time, but within reason. And the one thing I learned from a veteran player, he said, if you go four for five with two two-run homers and you guys win the game, I'm not saying to not have a good time and smile. But once you leave that clubhouse, it's over with. You go home to your family, you take care of your kids, you wake up the next morning, it's a new day. And that, that's over with. you got to do it again. That doesn't sound very right. I, I, right. I want to celebrate. <laughs> but it sounds great when you just went 0 for 4 with two punch outs. You left a runner on third with less than two outs in the ninth inning. You lost the game. Or you made a crucial error that lost you the game. But if you, if you apply that same, same mentality, you leave the ballpark that night. Okay, I'm mad. I'm going to grieve a little bit in my own way. I'm going to do my media. I'm going to go to the training room. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to get my post-game post workout in. When I leave that ballpark, I get in my car and I'm with my family. It's over with. I wake up tomorrow. It's a new day, guys. And that's what being a pro means, and that's what you need to do at, when you get to the big leagues. And it's not something that when you're 21, 22, you just automatically know how to do. It's acquired, and it's a process. But that's why, that's why experience is so important, and that's why we all have so much to learn. When I was 22, I knew it all, like I mentioned. But then when I was 30, I looked back at that 22-year-old and said, man, I didn't know anything. And now I'm 54, and I look at that 30-year-old, and I said, I got a lot to learn. So <laughs> it's a constant learning. I'm, I'm still learning. You know, I'm here in Chicago watching my, watching my son play, and, man, I want to go out in the field and help him. I don't know if I could. <laughs> Not anymore from a physical standpoint. But I'm still learning. You know, the kids teach me stuff. I, this analytical world and, and stuff that I didn't live in, I'm very open to it. I'm learning about it. And my son might tell me something that him and his minor league buddies are, Dad, you ever think about this? I'm like, no, but that's a great idea. And I wish I would have when I was your age. That would have helped me. So I'm all about learning. You know, you never know it all. Uh, and there's some great things about this modern era that I love. And there's some things that, eh, I kind of liked it the way we did it. But I think that's the, the, that's, the, that's the combo. That's the mesh. That's what makes this game great. I think, I think older players should listen the ex-players should listen to the current players. I got some things you might learn.
But current players, listen to the ex-players too. That's how you get the best of both worlds. What's your take on the Cubs? We talked White Sox-Cubs, fortunately, in the middle of a playoff run. That's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, Stroman has been kind of their spokesman. He's on the IL right now. Right. But that starting rotation has been good. Um, Cubs are in as of today, correct? Correct, yes. Uh, three out yep. in the division. Milwaukee to me, catchable. T- I got a lot of respect for Milwaukee. I, I sit there year in and year out, and they're there every year, and I think, how? Not that good. <laughs> they're not. They never are. No, they pitch, <laughs> they pitch pretty good. They always pitch pretty good. Right. The offense at the bottom of the league, and they are currently doing that too. Yeah. Still winning the division by threes. But I think from a Cubs standpoint, Cubs pitch. Cubs pitch. Uh, they hit. They hit very well. They're not in the bottom of the uh, no. of, of the National League. Not at all. They're in the upper tier. They hit, they pitch, uh, they steal bases. They're exciting. I, I love their skipper. Had him on the podcast preseason, and he was very optimistic. Like, Boney, we made some off-season acquisition. You got Bellinger, has a new lease on life. Uh, I look at that rotation of steel. Ty Yon's had a kind of a rough year coming from New York, but he's in the rotation. Hendricks has been a favorite of mine for years. Uh, he's kind of the throwback. He's a pitcher. He is a pitcher. He's a mechanic. Exactly. He's a, he's a Greg Maddox. Now, nobody in my mind is Greg Maddox. He's the greatest <laughs> pitcher I've ever faced. Uh, but in that breath, he's that type of – he's got a pitch to win, and he's been doing it for a lot of years in a velocity-driven era where, oh, you don't throw 100, we're not interested. Well, Hendricks will show you that you can be pretty successful <laughs> if you know how to pitch. Um, so I'm excited to see what this team does. I think they can run down the Milwaukee Brewers, but I definitely think if you'd once again, if you'd asked me two months ago about the game of baseball and where are these, you know, my crystal ball, where are these playoff teams coming from? Who's going to have a seat at the table? Well, I'm going to look at the National League West. I'm going to say at least two teams, maybe three, and the American and the or I'm sorry, and the National League uh, East. I'm going to say well, the Braves are going to be there, probably the Mets and the Phillies. So you're going to get one out of the Central. You got three potential teams coming out of the Central. Who'd have thought the Cincinnati Reds team? That's another great story. I think this year is full of really cool stories. The Baltimore Orioles, what a great story. The Texas Rangers, although they've lost seven in a row, uh, it's been a great story. Uh, the Cubs coming back to relevancy this year since their World Series championship a few years back. I think those are all really good stories. But the Cincinnati Reds. L.A. De La Cruz coming on the scene. He's one of those once-in-a-lifetime type talents that with a lot of, he's got some charisma. He's a rock star. He comes to the ballpark, and he, people want to go see him play. i got to see that kid. That's awesome. That's an ex-team of mine. I keep my eye on the Cincinnati Reds. I spent five years there. I'd love to see what they're doing. David Bell's one of my all-time favorite teammates. He's a wacko and a weirdo. David, if you're, <laughs> if you're watching, I love you. He's one of my favorite teammates all time. Smart as a whip. Just a really good baseball man. Uh, love to see what they're doing there. Um, but I think the Cubs can, can catch the Milwaukee Brewers. And then your Yankees, too. Your brother's oh. team. Tough season, of course. Tough. What do you make of what they're doing? Well, if, if you would have told me going into the season, okay, Garrett Cole's been a... He's been great. He's been great. Might want to saw Young. May, may not. But I was expecting big things from Rodon. Man, this is going to be a good... good addition. Severino, if he gets healthy, man, I've seen him. I've, I've been excited because he was an all-star in, in, I believe, 18 and 19, then he's been hurt. 
but he's got electric stuff. He pitches at the top of the zone. He's 98, he's 99, and he's a pitcher. He's got an ERA north of eight. Who would have thought? Nestor Cortez, fun guy to watch. Figured he's going to be in the rotation. Well, he's been out of the rotation two months. Comes back, gives up one run in five innings a few weeks back, goes back on the IL. Got a world-class bullpen. Donaldson's not didn't work out at third base. He's getting old. Uh, young kid at short. I think he's going to be a really good player. Volpe, I think mm-hmm. he's going to be a really good player. Torres, solid year. Rizzo, concussion protocols, having a tough year. Uh, Aaron Judge, that probably the second most important person to their team with Otani, being the only one that's more important to their individual team. He missed two months with that with that toe injury in in L.A. Uh, Bader's been in and out of the lineup. Their, their platinum glove catcher's out. Um, Giancarlo Stanton's hitting 200. It's not the cards. I watch that team on a daily basis, and I'll do respect to Volpe, and I think he's going to be a really good player. If he's hitting fifth for the year, New York Yankees, you're in trouble. Yeah. And I think that's what Aaron's got to deal with. I think Aaron does a great job. And, and I'll tell you, I don't know if it's tough for me. I, I have to take my brother hat off sometimes. Because, of course, you love your brother and you want him to do well. But you also have to be honest. I'm honest with him, too. The players love Aaron Boone. He backs them to a fault. And I tease him sometimes. And I'll talk to him. I'll say, listen, you can't just back him that much. You know, I wouldn't do it that much. But he does. He loves his team. He loves his players. He's one of the most passionate men I've ever been around. Um, and sometimes when I talk to him, I talked to him a few days ago, I said, buddy, sometimes you got to look in the mirror and, and, and not be so hard on yourself. This is really hard. You know what you do when you sign up to be the New York Yankees skipper? You're on the hot burner. And you got to know what you're getting into. And I told him that years ago. I said, well, why would you want to be anywhere else? I want to be on that stove every day. Critics coming at me, I know what I'm at, but if I ever win here, the perks are off the chart. It's true. But to be in that pressure cooker on a daily basis, yeah, it probably gets old after a while. Listening to people yelling nonsense that, that really don't know the game, asking you a dumb question. <laughs> I've, had a little, I've had it happen to me a lot. It happens. But that's what you signed up for, buddy. <laughs> and when your team isn't playing good, you're in New York. You're going to hear about it. And if you're willing to stand up and take it, and I think Aaron is, you're going to weather the storm. You're a great baseball man. You're passionate. You're as well prepared as anybody can be. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But when the game starts and you do the best job you can, you and your staff, to put the best team available in that lineup, put them in positions you think gives them the best opportunities to succeed, and the national anthem's over, you're done. All you can do is get the lefty up, get the righty up. What do you think we should do? And nowadays, <laughs> everything's run by a computer. Oh, bring him in in the seventh, not third time through the lineup. <laughs> so true. I tease Aaron a lot about it, and I said, what are you going to do? At some point, you just have to say, this is out of my control. This is all I can do with the personnel I have on the field. And the personnel that the New York Yankees, if I'm being honest, put out on a daily basis is an inferior product to the top teams. And that's just the way it is. It just sometimes things don't work out. We talked about the White Sox. On paper, that White Sox team from 2000, from this year, should be a lot better than it is, but that's why we don't play this game on paper. So I think Aaron's doing a great job. Whatever happens, happens. Managers are hired to be fired. I mentioned that earlier. 
How was Joe Torre before he went to the... Joe Torre, one of the greatest managers I've ever played against. Four or five rings, whatever he's got. I remember Joe Torre was in St. Louis and didn't have great teams. Managing's tough. You don't have the horses. I don't care who you are. You can roll all these managers into one and create the super manager. And if you ain't got the horses, you're going to get your butt kicked at the big league level. And that's just the way it is. That's a great point, and I fully agree in the sense that they're putting out a bad product. This is not an Aaron Boone issue in terms of personnel, guys not performing, guys getting hurt. This has nothing to do with right. him. I think the injury thing is exactly. the thing. And, and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Cashman right now. Cashman's got five rings. There's something to be said for that. <laughs> but right now it's not working out. Cashman can't look into his crystal ball and say Giancarlo Stanton's going to be hitting 200 this year and Rizzo's going to have a concussion and he's going to be out for months and Aaron Judge is going to miss two months and Rodon's not going to work out early on. I'm not, I'm not writing no Rodon off. He missed the first two months, came back, was not sharp, and they got hurt again. Who, who, who knew Nestor Cortez wasn't going to be available? Who knew Severino was going to was going to pitch like he never pitched before. And I'm a Severino <laughs> fan. Of course. I'm scratching my head watching him going, what's going on? This guy's got too good. Even if he's having a bad game, I said, he doesn't have any, he doesn't have eight ERA stuff on his worst day. But there's no rhyme or reason. And now all of a sudden you got a great bullpen, but you can't get to the bullpen. And you're in too tough of a division at the top. Those guys playing too good to, to, to just be in it this year. So... It is what it is, and, and we've all had great years and tough years. It's just being in New York is tough. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I love it. Bring it. <laughs> but at the same time, you know what it is. And when you sign up for it, you got to take the fire. And Aaron, I think, is doing a good job taking the fire. How do you feel about maybe the unfair criticism that he's getting? But that's, that's what New York is. It's well, always unfair. <laughs> that is true. I go to New York, and, and, and I like a lot of it. I, I love... Uh, I love New York. I, yeah. I can't say enough about it. I, I'm going to play in Yankee Stadium. It's one of my favorite times. But I know I'm going to have a bunch of stupid questions asked of me. And I'm <laughs> going to probably say that's a stupid question and move on. And some guys are going to like that and some are not. Uh, and I, as a player, I didn't really care. Just like, this is my job. I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to move on. I had a great relationship with the press. Um, but that's what it is. It's clickbait, especially day, today. There's so many outlets where we get our news so many people want to, well, we got to get mine out there. So let it, let's get them to say something controversial. Isn't that life? Isn't that what it is? It's what it is. I don't think it's the, the greatest side of life, but it's reality. So, yeah, guys are doing their jobs to the best of their ability. They're trying to make, they're trying to make a living. They're trying to be, hey, he got a great sound bite. From, that's just the nature of the competition. So you're used to dealing with that. And, and as an athlete, once again, all these things. I don't feel sorry for athletes. I never felt sorry for myself. When I was having a tough year, it's like, man, come at me. I deserve it. I'm making this much money. I need to be accountable to not only my organization, but the fans. So bring it on a daily basis. I felt an obligation. Because on the flip side, when I'm killing it, still making a lot of money, I'm waking up reading the newspaper saying I'm the greatest. <laughs> you know, so there's two sides of the coin, and you got to know what it is. And at the end of the day, you put your head on your pillow, and you're a good father, and you're a good friend, and you and you go about your business, and you're a pro, and you do it right. That's all you can do, and the rest you can't you can't control, because this is all this is entertainment. This is what it is. You do the best job you can. You be a good guy, and life goes on, and that's the way it is. 
What do you think about his future in New York? There have been rumblings and reports and thoughts. Do you think he stays? Do you think he goes? Will he go somewhere else? Have you heard anything? Just, uh, I'll take my brother hat off sure. again. If I'm going to look at just Aaron Boone, not my brother, the manager. I think he's done a great job. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? Right. If he were to get fired, I think there'd be teams lining up for his services. Uh, that being said, and he, to be fair, uh, I have a great relationship with Aaron. We have very different personalities, but we're very like-minded on a lot of baseball things. I have a, res a very good, high respect for his intellect as a baseball man. And there's not that many people I do have that high respect for. Aaron is one of them. He can debate me and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with me. And we do a lot of times. But our conversations in, during the season, uh, we probably talk weekly, maybe every 10 days. Sure. Maybe when he's on a losing streak, I leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest with you, when we talk, it's more about how are the kids doing? You know, how's, how's Laura? How's Laura's his wife? He'll ask about my family. You know, what's going on with, the, with your kids and, and what's going on the, here and there? And maybe a little baseball trickled in. So really, I, I try to keep it. He doesn't discuss that with me. Uh, I don't want to ask him about it. It's not on my business. If, he, if he'd like to, to bring that to me, I, I'll give him my brotherly advice. You know, and once in a while, he'll have a baseball question for me. What do you think about this? He'll just run it by me. I'll give him my honest advice. Sometimes he heeds it, sometimes he doesn't. But that's what our, what our talks are about. It isn't about, are you going to get fired, you're not going to get fired. It's like, no. As an outsider looking at this, if you're an honest, if you're a good baseball man that can honestly evaluate and you put this season on Aaron Boone, well, then you're a guy that really can't have a conversation with me because you don't know what you're talking about. That's my honest opinion of Aaron Boone, the manager, brother aside. Uh, but then again, once it's out of my control, it's out of his control. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, at this point, as a baseball analyst, and I'll say that, uh, I don't think he's going anywhere in the near future. I think some Yankees fans would be happy about that. And I agree uh, with you 100%. Doubt, I mean, but that's what makes the world go round. John. Of course. That's what makes baseball <laughs> baseball. You know, how many times as a player, especially as a young player, and this is back before, you know, before blogs and before this and, and right. podcasts, it was talk radio. And I'd turn on that station coming home from the ballpark and fans would be calling. I'd be yelling at it. <laughs> I've been yelling at it <laughs> since I was a little kid. You know, when my dad's playing, I'm just a little kid and they're, Bob Boot sticks. He's this, he's that. And I'm going, no, 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 no. <laughs> but that's what makes the world go round. That's what makes the world of entertainment go round. Uh, For sure. That's what makes it great. Fans fill the stands. They're passionate. They love their team. They hate their they hate the rival. And that's what makes sports sports. And that's what makes being a player a privilege and going out in the park and hear this passion. Now, there's people that can go over a line. I, I don't want you to go across the line. But be passionate about your team. Tell me, I used to love walking down the street in New York and people call, yo, boo, you suck. Yankees are going <laughs> to kick your ass tonight. I love it. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And at the end of the day, you can give your, you can give your enemy a hug and just say, it's not that serious. You know? <laughs> Life's a little more about sport. I understand how serious it is when the Yankees are playing the, the, the Red Sox or whatever. I get it. And that's what makes sports sports. And talk radio and all these people that sometimes I want to throw, the, throw something at. It's like, no, this is why this game's great. And this is why the debate is out there. Uh, these are the guys that go to the games, that buy the tickets, that buy the, the hats, that buy your jersey. 
they have every right to have any opinion they want. Now, sometimes I think they're uneducated, their opinion, but that doesn't matter. Who cares what I say? You know, I just love the fact that, that it is what it is, and, and that's what makes it great. Just don't cross that line. There, there is a line that we don't have to go across. Be passionate about your team, but at the end of the day, uh, in, the, in the big scheme of things, it's not the most important thing. Brett Boone still with us here on Sports Talk Chicago. Brett, a few more questions for you before we finish up. Uh, you're here in Chicagoland. Your son's playing for the Windy City Thunderbolts. Yes. How's he doing? And what's it like for you as a dad to watch your son play? It's harder than playing. Really? Yes. He's, uh, he's having an okay year. You know, this, is a, this was a year for him that he really wanted to take it to the next level. And, and to this point, yeah, it's been a rough year team-wise. Uh, they're in the bottom of the division. Um, friend of mine, Richie Sexton, is is the manager. Right. And uh, it'll be interesting. I'm going to go to the ballpark this afternoon and, and uh, chat with him a little bit. His first go around in professional baseball being a skipper. I'm interested to see what he said because I left <laughs> him a few months ago and he was bright eyed and ready to go. Now, how are we looking now? Yeah, right. How are we looking now, Richie? Um, that's a part of the process. Uh, when I watch him, you know, he's such a good kid and he's a Princeton grad, so he's that, you know, he's smarter than me. Let's be honest. <laughs> but he's got a really good head on his shoulders. And he's poised. And, you know, he'll have a rough game and I'll stay away from him. But when I talk to him, he, he's, he's got a pretty good demeanor. It's like, no, I don't beat myself up too much. Of course, I'm probably not in the best mood right now. But he's learned at a young age how to handle it, how to be a professional. So uh, I'm very proud of him for that. At the same time, watching him as a dad, I'm like, come on, Jake, just don't, don't do that. How can you, you know, I want to just take him aside and say, this is how you do it. Um, and that's the tough part about being a dad watching is, and, and now I understand what my dad went through and what my grandpa went through. When he was, I'd come out after a game and Gramps, you know, I'd be three for 40, but what happened to that fourth and back? So what about the other three? I don't care. How do you chase that slider? And Gramps, hi, Brent. You know, and then I understand what it's like being a dad watching it and, the, and how proud you are when they do well. How proud you are of them anyway. But when they do well, it's kind of like looking around, it's my son, <laughs> you know. Um, it's tough, though. It's tough because you know how hard the game is. You know how hard it is to hit. To be a hitter at any level is really hard. Sometimes we forget that. When I'm sitting in the stands, I say, how can you swing that pitch? How can you miss that pitch? Well, if I look back, I missed a few, too. But uh, the, the most frustrating thing is I can't go out there and just fix them and do what I would do. You know, I can give them the most advice I can. And I'm a, I'm a hands-off dad. I mean, Jakey will call me with questions. Uh, if he's got a question, have a seat, because I'm going to give you whatever I can give you to try to give you as much knowledge as I can. But I stay away from him. You know, if, if he doesn't have a question, I'm not here saying, you need to do this, this, and this. Um, and we have a really good relationship. Like I said, I stay away. I wait for him to call me. That's what my dad did for me. Uh, and uh, we have a really good father-son relationship, but then the professional relationship is, is really, really nice, too. So uh, we don't have any problems there. But, yeah, still I'm sitting in the stands. You wouldn't notice if you put a camera on me during the game. You're not <laughs> going to know that my son's playing because I'm not going to show you. But inside I'm kind of like, oh, come on. <laughs> anyway. I want to talk about the Boone podcast, too. You have been killing it lately uh, with your guests, with the videos you've been putting out. Obviously, I see them all the time on Facebook and Twitter. How's that been going? It's been great. You know, ever since we teamed up with Odyssey, uh, 
it's been a difference maker. You know, they're really, they've really got behind it, uh, getting it out there. You know, you, you start this thing, I started it during COVID, and, and I, I just wanted to get on, kind of on this side of the game. And I just started practicing this craft, and, and I've learned a lot. And, and uh, I've been humbled a lot by the preparation that's, that's necessary. You do it on a daily basis, too, Johnny. And uh, there is a lot more to it. And as a player, on this side, it's easy for me doing an interview. I can, I can BS with the best of them. <laughs> But to be on that side and have to prepare and set it up and, and get everything out and get the content and know your guest calls and he cancels, but he was supposed to be on Wednesday and now i got to get another guest. I have a new appreciation for that now. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a learning process. Uh, I took it as far as I could take it individually. Now teaming up with Odyssey, we're kind of taking it to that next level. And it's been a lot of fun. We have a good relationship and, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But a lot more opportunities are opening up. And, and, and you know, I may be doing a lot of, of other stuff, TV, radio in the future. So, uh, yeah, so far so good. I'm having a good time doing it. And then final question for you. What was your reaction to your brother's viral ejection a few weeks back Classic. on the field? It's awesome. Because <laughs> that's the one thing I will tell you. I said, listen, you don't have to get thrown out this much. I said, I know you got the, I know you got the iPad and you can see balls and strikes right there. I said, do you really have to get thrown out that much? Uh, he laughs. That's the way Aaron is. He's, I, I mentioned passionate a lot probably when I talk about him. He is. I remember him as a little kid. It, it, I started laughing because it reminded me of our childhood. It reminded playing touch football in the backyard. And he's always four years my junior. So he couldn't beat me in any. And, but we'd argue everything. We'd argue first downs on a, on a two-hand touch. And I'll take the sun's going down, and if he thinks I'm wrong by this much, he's going to add that squeaky voice. He's going to argue with me, and we're going to get in trouble. And I'm going to tease him. I'm going to say, I don't think you got the first down. What are you talking about? I watched him arguing the other day, and that was Aaron Boone, six years old. And it was great. It brought me back to my childhood. It's just, what, like I said, he's so passionate about this game. And, and I laugh at, you know, I, I saw an article the other day. And, and then there was an article about me saying there was an article. Uh, some Yahoo said, Aaron Boone just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> if you knew this man, I think you'd have a different opinion of that. Aaron Boone, sometimes to a fault, blindly naive. I mean, he still thinks right now, hey, if there's a chance, you're saying I got a 1% chance. He's going to fight to the death for that 1%. So uh, entertaining. You know, we're different. We're very different personality-wise, but, but we have a great relationship. Uh, we see eye to eye on a lot of things, and, and we debate a lot of things. But the one thing is, is he's more passionate than I am when it comes to, man, he'll fight to the death for, for, <laughs> for his guys. He really will. Not that I wouldn't. But it comes out in it. He's got something. It, it's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. <laughs> well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us here in person in studio. Um, great interview. Great time. Looking forward to catching up very soon. Best wishes with the Boone podcast and for your son tonight you at Windy it, City. Thanks for having me.